he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. This is a totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Rob Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb. Went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like some sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. They're going to get an Italian army behind them right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, friends. I'm the Wolfman, Dale Wolfley, and this is the Three Wolves of Football. I'm joined by my brothers, Eldest Craig Wolfley. Hold up your head. There you go. And brother Ronnie, middle brother. <laughs> we are the Three Wolves of Football. We are the boys from Orchard Park, and we are the Outsiders. How are we doing there, uh, Pony Boy, tonight? How's it going? Boy, I'm doing great, man. Honestly, right now, um, it was a rough, rough week. It was had an opportunity, um, had an opportunity to win a game against a undefeated Philadelphia Eagles team at State Farm Stadium. Instead, they lost that game, and they lost it on a last um, few seconds missed field goal, of course. And uh, there were a lot of mitigating circumstances that got to that point to come down to a missed field goal. But um, they were so close to actually beating the Eagles and getting to three and two. And they didn't do that. And because of that, I was angry on Monday. All right. Angry Monday for sure. Talk about angry days when Brother Craig gets hungry. He gets a little bit angry. Brother Derry, how's your uh, week going? It was a rough one. You know, we went up to the Buff Bills, and the Buff Bills are every bit as good as as advertised. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen was a monster, started things off on the third play from scrimmage. He goes 98 yards to Gabe Davis, and I'm telling you what, it was unbelievable. And it it simply was a a game that got out of hand. I've been in games like this. You know, it was Mike Tomlin's worst defeat in 16 years. It's the worst defeat for the Steelers. Since 1989, when the Cleveland Browns beat the Steelers 51 to nothing at Three Rivers Stadium, of which I was there. <laughs> well, listen, so we're going to get to that, and we're going to break it down a little bit more. But first of all, we have to get to the Sabres hat. I'm wearing it in honor of the start of the NHL season because the Wolfley boys, the boys from OP, are Buffalo Sabres fans. And, and just it's what we are. We can't, we cannot be, but who we are, Sabres fans. There's no doubt about it, guys. I just want to jump in here and say this. Oh, Gilbert Perrault. Right. <laughs> Rene Robert, Rick Martin, are you – Roger Crozier. The we, French connection, baby. The French <laughs> connection was with the greatest line in the history. Okay, maybe not statistically, but it sure felt that way in Buffalo, New York growing up, didn't it? They were great for us. <laughs> right, let's kick this baby off. He gave, but I, I tell you, I wasn't feeling a good vibe when he started there because, you know, you, you're not feeling your team there. So let's get you in a little bit of better move. This week, 
it's going to be actually called this. We have the stupid brother of the week. Uh, and yeah, it's not Mulligan. It's not that. It's not, you know, do over. It is stupid brother of the week because last <laughs> week, I know you're all both nervous. I know you're really nervous about what could it be, but let's just go ahead and play and see if you catch it. I knew you could follow directions. That's what makes you such a good football player in your day. Okay. And an offensive lineman, let's face it. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Soda Pop, Ronnie Paul. Yes. Your baseline. Okay, uh, first of all, I would say Pony Boy is my nickname here. S.E. Hinton, The Outsiders. Go ahead and read it. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> oh, yes, because you know what? Honestly, uh, you know, Pony Boy, you were gracious not to say anything to me. And that actually did not make it because I'm like, did I say, did I just call him Soda Pop? Yes, you really, did. Yeah, and you didn't say anything. And here's the funny thing. Now, I've been Stupid Brother of the Week. Okay, it's officially me. The title of episode five is Stupid Brother of the Week. But I want to say this, too. Hey, Derry, you did not blink when I said that. Okay, just so you know, you did not blink. No, you know, I, you know, it just kind of was one of those things that kind of went over the head. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do, man? It's just one of those things. Yeah, it kind, of, kind of went over the head and right into your, your wallpaper there. That's about it, man. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, sometimes you're sitting there and you, you, you go along and, you know, the fun, whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, what did he just say? You know, and I was a little late. You know, this is this is what short-term uh, a concussion syndrome looks like. You know what I mean? Hey, if we're going to, guys, if we're going to parse every word where we make mistakes, we're in trouble. Oh. I'm just telling you right now. All I can say is the Department of Corrections would be very busy. Okay, so basically, if I call you a different name than you're supposed to be, I'm supposed to not parse those words. I don't think yeah. so. This is this is <laughs> no mercy time. And to show you, I'm on the up and up. I took it myself on the chin, whack right across the chin. Uh, I got I, I still got a bloody lip from it. So uh, listen, I hope that doesn't happen. I really thought I was going to be good. Because uh, you guys just keep doing the good stuff, and you know, I, I really thought I was safe. Apparently not. So we're gonna move this along. Okay, soda pop. Next okay. time, I'll definitely point it out and just throw you under the bus. You okay with that? But I have that works. You, wait a minute. Why are you acting like you'll be anything different while we're? Talking? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any other time you would be throwing me under the bus in a heartbeat. Because we're all wilting lilies here. <laughs> All right. Now, let's move on to this. Actually, Pony Boy, you you actually saw this on my Twitter, but this was an extra. This is a guy from a, a, a man named uh, uh, Dawson or something like that, but I have no idea who this team is. But there's a DB, and I've said this up, a DB saying, the receiver, come on, come on. And guess what? The receiver comes on. Here we go. As you can see, there he goes, come on, come on. He's clapping his hands. Are you humble or will you be humbled? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Boy, I almost knocked him right into the living room there. <laughs> Jerry, go ahead, man. Wow. Humble or humbled? Oh, he definitely got humbled. You know, there's no question about it. You know, that for somebody to go on that field to play and do so, um, you got to be in some sort of other state of mind 
And I would think that at that moment of impact, that looked like if you watch the running of the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain, you know, when they get to the big arena and then there's that guy, there's always that guy that thinks that he can outrun the bull and he can't, you know, and he gets hook him horns and all of a sudden he gets tossed and he gets deep pantsed, you know, and, and lands. Um, that's what that guy looked like. Yeah, for me, man, just watching that, it's a great reminder. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care how tough you are. You're in between those white lines. Everybody gets a visit from Judge Dredd. And that was a visit right there from the dreadful one. I don't care how good a football player you are. At some point in time, you stick that mouth guard in, you go out and, and you button up, you're going to get driven into the ground at some point by somebody. Somebody's going to take you out. And it's a great reminder of what humility really means. And you shouldn't bring it on yourself. Don't do that, my young crunk brothers. Don't do what that kid did. Don't do no. that stuff because you're going to get humbled. You're going to get it. You know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Yeah. He got the horns on that one. I always say there's, there's a Lawrence Taylor out there for everybody. Yes. <laughs> there it is. Okay, so we're gonna continue here because this is a good subject of mine, not so good for the Steelers or anybody else in the NFL. But Josh Allen is is going lights out. And he throws here to the Gabe Davis this 98 yarder. And Derry, you saw firsthand how good is Josh Allen in the NFL. And what about the other quarterbacks in the league that are right there? Pat Mahomes, you know, you can talk about Geno Smith. You're talking about Avery. I mean, there are just so many. Kyler Murray, there are so many great quarterbacks out there. And that's a 98-yarder. That's like the quickest score for longest score in the history, man, of the Bills. Well, it was it was rough. They played a single high safety with a young guy named Trey Norwood in his second year back there guarding the over-the-top, right? You got Levi Wallace, who actually played in Buffalo last year, who was, who was running uh, in with, with Gabe Davis, right? Well, at the snap of the ball, Minka Fitzpatrick blitzed. He came within a whisker of, of nailing Josh Allen before he threw the ball. But Josh got the ball off before he took the hit, stayed in the pocket, great resolution, great strength of character, seeing it down, didn't get, you know, worried about it, threw the ball. And uh, unfortunately, Levi, when he flipped his hips, he, he stumbled himself, and Trey took a wrong angle from the safety position. And voila, 98 yards later, the Buff Bills are up seven to nothing. And that just goes to show you, you know, even the best make mistakes. You know, you look at the back end, Levi Wallace knows what Josh Allen can do. Levi Wallace was a teammate of Josh Allen's last year, but Levi Wallace got beat by his former teammate. You know, it's interesting, Craig, because to hear you say that, you know, even the best make mistakes. Absolutely. It's, it's incredible. You know, fans think, depending on how much money you make, um, that the more money you make, the less mistakes you actually make on the field mentally. And there, there is no correlation. There really is not. Um, now, listen, if you're always out there making mental errors, you're not going to get a big bonanza. You're not going to be out there long. That's, yeah, and you're not going to be in the league for long if you constantly make mental mistakes. But making mistakes, it's just so part of the game. It's so human. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, you'll make mistakes. Kyler Murray, by way of example, pulled down a quarterback draw in the Cardinals game where seconds are ticking off the clock. And he, and he pulled it down and ran and slid and thought he had a first down. 
thought he had a first down, and there were t- the the clock was ticking below thirty seconds. He got up, he spiked the ball. It was third down. He had slid a half a yard short. Right. It was third down. He didn't get confirmation when he spiked it. So now it's fourth down, and you got to kick a forty-three yard field goal, which they ultimately missed. He's under the gun, under a lot of fire, because everyone's talking about the fact that he made a mistake and shouldn't have slid, but should have gone head first, which I believe he should have done too. There's no doubt about that. But he thought he had the first down. Cliff Kingsbury thought he had the first down. But that's a mistake, as we all know, guys, you can't make, even though, even though you're a human being and you're prone to making mistakes, listen. That, there's no excuse. You you can't accept that ever. And I know that Kyler doesn't accept it, and I know Cliff doesn't accept it either. He knows you can't have it. You lose games that way. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Just a quick question. What do you think overall of the quarterback play right now? And we've talked about the rules being changed. Derry, you brought that up a, a couple of times. The rules being changed for the offense in favor. But the quarterbacks are doing something right now collectively. Pretty special, in my opinion. Well, here's the thing about it. You can't compete for a Super Bowl unless you have a franchise-caliber quarterback. I mean, that's just a simple fact of the matter. You know, the days of having that great defense and then uh, a quarterback that was a game manager, quote-unquote, it just doesn't happen. You've got to have that guy that can get the win. You've got to have that guy that pulls the W down, that guy that can walk into the huddle immediately you know, get everybody's attention. And no matter what has transpired already, this guy can know he can at any time pull it together and pull your fanny out of the fire. That's what a franchise quarterback does. That's what a Terry Bradshaw did back in the day. That's what a Ben Roethlisberger did when he came aboard for 18 years, you know, and this is what we're going to find out with Kenny Pickett where he is, because you don't have a chance for the Lombardi run, you know, the Lombardi land trophy stuff. You know, if you ain't got that quarterback, that's a franchise guy. Yep. All right. So now let's take it to the quarterback position again. But this is a different scene here. Go ahead and watch, and I'm going to let you guys call it out. Pony, why don't you start off with it? You're going to see oh, here. Yeah. Oh, no. How could you not? Just Gary Grady rushing Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, and then he goes ahead and he gets the roughing the passer. Yeah, that right there, I got to tell you, man, that that's just an awful call. Can I just say this, that Tom Brady – um, and I love Tom Brady. You guys know that. I, I sure. Oh, my goodness. I love and respect him. But Tom Brady works the white hat more than any other quarterback in the National Football League. He is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. Okay? And because of that, he gets, in my opinion, a lot of calls. He, 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 he gets a lot of deference from the white hat. And he exploits it. And it's what he does. Um Right there on that one, Jerome Boger, it's just simply one of the worst calls in the history of the National Football League. And the NFL, at some point, is going to have to address this publicly, come out with some type of statement. I think we're all overreacting to what happened with Tua Tungabailoa, and rightfully so. But yet, this is something altogether different, the roughing the passer. Um, When I hear Tony Dungy, Now, you guys know Tony, friend of the family. When I hear Tony Dungy, who's not prone to hyperbole, come out and say in a tweet, this is not football anymore. No. When I hear him say that, 
that carries a ton of weight because if Tony Dungy is actually saying that, can you imagine what Joe Fan is saying right now about the National Football League? And when you start breaking a fan's heart, maybe he doesn't break his bank account anymore to buy tickets or merchandise. Well, simply put, you know, you cannot legislate all the uh, possibilities of injury out of the game. You just can't do it, you know, because by the time you get done legislating them all out, you got flag football and nobody's going to pay money to see flag football. Anybody can play flag football. You know, the fact is there's not everybody can play in the NFL, right? I mean, it's, it's, you get paid that money because, you know, there is, it's a risk reward ratio inherent in football. You know, and that's just the way it is. I just find that, you know, the referees, I'm sure, like you said, they're all reacting to the Tua situation and there's going to be extra caution. They're oversteering the car, you know, a little bit, um, you know, the NFL. And so now they're going to have to correct it and everything. But think about this. I remember when it first started way back around when James Harrison first creamed uh, a couple of guys during a game and they started with the fines and changing the culture of hitting in the NFL. And, you know, it, it's, I remember talking to Clark Hagans, who was an outside linebacker with the Steelers back then. And he was actually rushing Donovan McNabb in a preseason game, had a straight run at him. And he said, as he was running at Donovan, the referee was yelling at him to pull off. And I'm like, well, this is years ago. I mean, the seeds wow. of this started years ago. Wow. And certainly with a guy like, you know, Brady and everything, and the proliferation of the football TV money, you know, you want your stars to be healthy, to be, you know, on TV, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, actually, a couple of talking heads pointed out the fact that people are paying to see the quarterbacks play, and I understand that part, but I also, I want to see the defensive lineman and that beautiful twist, that defensive twist of the the down D lineman and, and Grady Garrett going around, it was missed. That was a beautiful execution of a play by the defensive line and getting the quarterback, but it was all missed because he threw him down. That is too soft, in my opinion, and it's going to hurt the game of football. Here, on the other hand, is not too soft, and I know you're going to have some feelings on this, Brother Jerry. You got Kenny Pickett taking the hit for the Bills' safety, and he was going in a slide. And I think it's pretty obvious. So this is no call. So you go ahead and you watch that with Tom Brady with a call. And then this one, there's no call. Go ahead and tell me what you're well, it's, what they're he, calling. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, James Daniels got a flag thrown on him. And he did the very thing that you're supposed to do. You protect your guy. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, you know, he came in. He took a shot at Kenny. They're, they were t- teammates at Pitt. You know, and Kenny came up. Kenny's a feisty dude. I, I, I like Kenny Pickett. This guy's feisty. But you're talking about James Daniels coming along and doing what an offensive lineman should do. You got to sheriff the pile. You know, you've got to be one of those guys who aggressively protects his own. You got to be one of those guys who maybe has to administer a little bit of frontier justice just to keep things calm. I mean, there's examples of it running throughout the NFL since time immemorial. You know, I mean, that that's just life. And don't mess with the quarterbacks and cheap shot them. Otherwise, the the hogs are going to take care of business. But the one thing you've got to do also, though, you can't put your team in behind the eight ball. You can't do that. You you can't put your team in a bad spot. Will Hernandez, whom I love, 
the right guard for the Arizona Cardinals, Will Hernandez, came to James Conner's defense in the Carolina Panthers game, came to his defense and got kicked out of the game, ejected from the game. James you can't Hidden. do that. You, 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 he pushed it an official. You, you no, have they, to draw no. the line. You can never accept it in a game, ever. No, Even but here's the right thing. Right. James didn't do that, Ronnie. James didn't get thrown out. New York called and actually said, let him stay in the game. What they deemed that he did was did not did not oh. rise to the level of getting thrown out. He was walking to the locker room, and they called New York. Oh, and no, New York no. said, no, he's okay. I, I didn't know that New York called. I didn't know that, Craig, okay? I yeah. knew he wasn't ejected, but I didn't know that they had called and intervened. I'm talking about Will Hernandez when he got ejected. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the that's where you draw the line. You you can't ever accept that a guy well, getting ejected from a game. No, but here's here's what I I really respected. If you show that again, Dale, I don't know if you can show that that clip again. Yeah. After James hits Demar, he is right on the Bills sidelines, and people start banging into him. He does not throw one punch. I saw. This is what I really respect about, about James, right? James came over. You're going to hit my guy now? Okay, you you couldn't see it at the end. But they were coming after him, and people on that on that side of the field took some shots at him, and he just he just took the shots, and he just went about his business trying to go back to – you can see right there. You know, it, it could have been a pure six brawl, okay? Sure. I mean, a full – but he didn't – he did not do any – didn't throw one punch. You know, and I, I respect that. That's professionalism at its highest. You got to you got to take a stand and take care of business, protect your guy. But at the same time, you cannot hurt your team. And that's I, yeah. I, I, I totally respect James Daniels and what he did right there. And that's the one thing I want to say quickly is just Will Hernandez pushed a, a zebra, pushed an official, and that's why he got ejected from the game. He came to James Connor's rescue, but you know, once again, you, you can never accept it. You can't. No. And that's you why AJ Epinesa tossed. AJ Epinesa from the Bills got tossed because he pushed John Hussey, the referee. You know, now, and if you push a referee, you're looking for trouble and looking for ejection. That's yeah. just the way it's gonna be. And watching this here, and I, I really saw this, I saw this uh, Williams with the fake punk uh you know, pony boy in the game. And I thought, why are we not seeing as many special teams trick plays, like going for the punt? We see so much more fourth down going for it. Why is it not actually with special teams? As you can see here, break it down. Yeah, for me right here, they did. They took Daryl Williams, man, 235 pounds, got a butt the size of Jupiter, and they put him at the personal protector and snapped him the ball directly. I love Daryl Williams. I love the way he runs the ball. He's actually out this week. He's been ruled out this week uh, for the Cardinals. He did something to his knee in the last game. I think he might miss a couple of weeks. We'll see. But direct snap to Daryl Williams. Yeah, you know, um, I, it, it's a good question. So why do you not see it as much on special teams? I, I think maybe it's just a situation where, you think you got a better chance if you're going to go for it on fourth down. You got a better chance with the guy you're paying $230 million. You got a better chance with your franchise quarterback or all the talent you might have offensively to actually put it in their hands 
Um, I don't know, maybe it's Russell Wilson all over again. He's your quarterback, and yet you're going to kick a field goal as opposed to actually letting him try to go out and convert a fourth and one. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know all the particulars. I just know that maybe you feel like you got a better chance with your offense on the field as opposed to a special teams. Barry, anything? No, my brain is pretty much empty right now, you know? Okay. I think if I write a book, boys, here's here's my – I want to write a book, and the title of the book is going to be Everything Upstairs is Pretty Quiet. He throws for the end zone. That pass intercepted in the end zone. And that is Levi Wallace taking it away from Gabe Davis and taking the knee for the touchback. Oh, my goodness. What a great play by Levi Wallace. You're mano a mano. You're working the sidelines. 12th defender. You stay right in the hip pocket of Gabe Davis. You turn around. You transition perfectly. You see the ball. You catch the ball. Great defensive work by Levi Wallace. Well, that was provided by with the Steelers. Everything. And let me just say this, uh, Derry. I had to give you some kind of a highlight, man. <laughs> I know you're feeling a little bit down. Uh, well, let's let's break this down about Kenny. What's the situation with Kenny? How can they be successful moving forward with a Kenny Pickett at the helm? Well, they've got to establish a running game. I mean, it's real simple, guys. We got to get a running game going here. You know, Najee Harris is a great talent, but also Jalen Warren is a young man from Oklahoma State who is really earned his reps that he's getting you know right now statistically he's out rushing uh, Najee I think it is 3.8 to 3.2 in average and, and right away it just shows you that the running game is not real healthy right now but Jalen is also out catching the ball on an average over Najee and that's just some I think what what I think is going on is Na- Najee's had some issues with his foot and I think it's given him some problems there because he's a great talent he's Got great athletic ability. He's a superb competitor, but so is Jalen Warren. And first of all, you need to get that running game going so it takes a little pressure off. Secondly, you've got to have the defense being able to make some stops so that it, Kenny is not throwing the ball 52 times. I say that again, 52 times in a windy uh, high mark stadium, that's a prescription for real problems there. But Kenny did a great job, in my opinion. Uh, he was He looked fluid. He looked decisive. He was not lost out there. He didn't stay on one read only. He didn't dog the first read option. He would go to a second, third. He did a nice job of, I thought Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, did a good job of keeping Kenny moving because that Buffalo pass rush is pretty fierce. Even though they don't blitz a whole lot, they get after you a whole lot. And they kept, uh, they used the mobility of Kenny Pickett. So overall, I, I thought it was a good outing for Kenny Pickett. And by the way, that was a tremendous play by Levi Wallace in the end zone on Gabe Davis. Uh, that, you know, you, you can't say enough good about it. It's unfortunate that it's kind of like, uh, you know, he had to make up for the one that he missed. But uh, Levi Wallace, is a, he's a serious player. Yeah, you know, watching Kenny Pickett, and that, that, that's, he's legit. He, I mean, that's a quarterback that's a rookie. Uh, that first start in front of Bill's Mafia out yep. there. And he's thrown, he's making completions. And then when you think about, you know, with George Pickens, two rookies, oh, is, is there a future there? There's possibly, well, very well could be. So. Let me say this, Pickett to Pickens sounds great. And then you got every now and then this young man, George Pickens, makes a sensational catch. And we've simply combined the two. We call it Pickensational. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, very good. Let, let's go with this now. Hey, Pony, I want to change the subject here a little bit because I was watching this with you and, and Cliff Kingsbury, and you're sitting down after a really tough loss. You said how tough that Eagles loss was. And for, yeah. 10, years, and for 10 years, I had to sit with uh, Dana Hogerson or Neil Brown at the radio show live in front of many, many people throughout our region, our boundary nation, and ask them the tough questions, man. And it's not easy here. Watch this. When you watch Kyler, you watch him on tape, it seems like he is struggling a little bit early on in games. Is it just him? What do you make of this? Because he seems to get better as the game goes on. Why do you think that is, Cliff? Yeah, I think I think it's all of us. I think it's collective. Like I said, um, I've never been a part of uh, a team at any level where it's first five games, it's just you're three and out and can't score in the first quarter. And for whatever reason, it's just like – um, not clicking, and, and that's something we all have to, to work harder at and get better at. So I, I don't think it just falls on him. I think it's play calling, scheme, execution by all 11 guys. It's just a thing we got to get over. So when you sit there with the head dude and you have to ask that tough question, why is Kyler not performing well in the first half as he is in the second half? And those are tough questions, and, and people are expecting you to be there, and you're that guy. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's always very difficult, uh, especially after a loss, because I think you guys all know the respect that we have for these men that are actually doing it, um, as opposed to us sitting around watching them do it. Um, It drives me crazy, as a matter of fact. But I know that that is a topic with the Arizona Cardinals, of course, the slow starts and getting off to slow starts. And Kyler Murray is right in the middle of those slow starts. Let me also say this right here that Kyler Murray has three times now brought this team back, brought it back in five games played. He brought this team back three times. Two of those times, they won those games in the second half. And the third time, of course, was this last game against the Philadelphia Eagles where he brought them back, tied up the score 17-17. They went down, they kicked the field goal, took eight minutes off the clock, and suddenly it's 20-17 to with a minute 45 and no timeouts. And suddenly Kyler went down the field, got him in field goal range, 43-yard field goal. Men in the National Football League, as you know, you got to be able to make a 43-yard field goal to win a game. And that did not happen. Matt Amendola, their kicker, of course, who was signed and activated because Matt Prater, their original kicker, uh, had an issue with his hip and he couldn't go. So they brought him in and the kid pushed the field goal right. They lost the game. But Kyler Murray brought this team back again. And you couldn't say that. Uh, over the first three years of watching Kyler, it wasn't like a lot of the times if he got off to a slow start that suddenly he got better as the game went along. That's that's not been the case in the three years prior. This year alone in five games, three times, Kyler has brought the team back. In two of those times, they won the game. After he started slowly and um, – Boy, I've got a lot of respect for that, and I think you guys feel the same way when you're able to do that. Because, you know what, anybody can go out. When things are going well, anybody can actually go out and, hey, you know, give me the baton. I'll I'll lead the parade when things are going well early on. What happens when you don't get off to a good start? Do you have what it takes to actually overcome, overcome 
that adversity and get better as the game goes along. I respect that a lot. And Kyler's done that. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I just wonder, being an observer from outside, I would just like to see him have a little more freedom to be Kyler because he's just got a lot of freedom at the end. And that's when he's really Kyler. And I watched that from Oklahoma all the time now. And I, I don't know. I have no idea if I'm right or wrong. So No, you're, you're, there's a lot of people want to see Kyler Murray run the ball more. And um, I'm great with that. I got no problem as long as he's pulling the ball down and running. I don't want to see Kyler Murray in 10 called runs a game. Because if you've got to run Kyler Murray with called runs, if you've got to do that to make your offense run and work, you're in trouble because it's only a matter of time before he's going to take a shot and go down. And then you'll have Kyler Murray running the ball zero times in every game. Right. Very true. Okay, so we will continue on here. And this just happened uh, on Monday night. You had, of course, uh, Devontae Adams pushing the reporter uh, down the ground. But he just today, charges came out, misdemeanor. I mean, go ahead and take a look at it. And I really want to know what you guys think about this. And because this is new, and this seems to be, like we were talking about last week, you know, guys attacking the coaches on the sidelines, making scenes, this type of behavior outside of those white lines. You know, this is disturbing because this really paints a poor picture of professional athletes. You know, you are not, that's not acceptable. That's just not acceptable. Look, there are combatants on the field. If you're such a, if you're going to be bad about it, Go, go do, take that out on one of your the guys that are across the field from you. Doing that to some poor guy who's just, what, is, he's a stringer probably. He's, he's trying to do a job. And you go up and you take two hands and put it on him and knock him down. I'm sorry. That was very poor on the part of Devontae Adams. The one thing I did like about it was the fact that Devontae Adams did apologize. apologize after the That's game. true. I, you're right. He, I forgot he, about that. And he good, did good apologize, plan. and I respect him greatly for that because, um, yeah, this is, this, this is probably going to cost him something. Um, it certainly is going to cost him taking a PR hit to some degree. Um, listen, I – you guys know me. <laughs> My brothers know me very well. If, if there's a hothead in the family, um, I'm raising my hand and saying, I apologize. Yeah, we'll, we'll point the finger at you. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I accept, yeah. And I, and I accept that fully. And I have gone into the stands twice in my NFL career. Yeah. I'm talking about over Neither the Neither one was good. I'm talking about over the lo- the wall where police officers were holding my legs. Yeah. Okay. As I'm trying to crawl and I can still see this guy's fat face with this big beard. And I was just trying to, I just was trying to, and I couldn't reach him because the people were holding me people being right. police officers. And so I, I don't, I understand him just losing it. And but here's the difference. That, that kid was that kid was not antagonizing Devontae at all. That was a stringer. That's somebody with yeah. you know a piece of equipment. He's just down there doing what he's supposed to do on the sidelines. The guy in the stands was taking liberty yes. with his ability to be able to, you know, engage with the players. He that young man bad. was not doing any of that. No, you're right about that. The the dude in the stand said bad things about mom. And you know, Hoopy, our mom, you you don't say bad things about her. But that kid down there, he wasn't doing anything. So, 
That yeah. just it's it's that it's a bad look for Devontae. That's sure, what it is. And it that, is. everything I understand about Devontae is a pretty square guy, good dude, everything. Um, but it just you just cannot do that. It's a bad look. Yep. There's no Devontae. You say about talk about Hoopy, our mother. And I just reminds me of the story with Pony Boy when you were playing the Steelers with Brother Derry. And it was pre- <laughs> it was preseason, and it was your first year. You're just trying to make the football team, and of course, you know you're out there. You're just walking or running back into the tunnel, and look who was out on the Pirates dugout. On top was Hoopy, and yeah. she was waving her white hanky. Her white yeah, well, Ronnie, I love you, yeah. Ronnie. Yeah, <laughs> it's just mean- right, Ronnie. No, it's true, man. I was I was out there and I was all fired up. It was 1985. It was preseason. It was you know Craig was on the other side. Are you kidding me? Um, I, I was so nervous for that game and I'm warming up, getting ready. We're out on the field before the game starts and we're warming up. And I run in and as I'm running in, I hear Roddy and I know it was Hoopy and I wasn't going to look at her because she embarrasses us as she's made it her, her life's work to embarrass us three boys. And I just kept running. She said, Roddy. And I kept running and running and running. And, and all of a sudden somebody grabbed me from behind. And as I turned around, it was Jack Lambert, and he was in plain clothes, Jack Lambert. But I knew Jack because, obviously, he'd been around the Steelers when Craig was with him five years prior, so I'd met Jack Lambert a number of times. And as he, I turned around and looked at the meanest man, the baddest man ever to play the game of football, he looked at me and he said, Ronnie, I think your mommy's calling you. <laughs> and as I looked over, there's Hoopy on top of the Pittsburgh Pirate dugout at Three Rivers Stadium with the white hanky. I love you, honey. <laughs> yeah, that now, was. Dale, you got a story. Can I tell you this, though? Yeah. That walk into the locker room, into the tunnel, was one of the most brutal walks I've ever had because both teams the Steelers and my own teammates were just mocking the living dog out of me now Dale you know you had a hoopy instance too I believe it was senior day you know when she was when you were running out there and and take it away my brother well just you know it's senior day they call you out Don Nealon was there he gave me a hug he said thank you Wolf love you I'm like yeah I love you coach Kind of an emotional moment, and you run out through the cheerleaders, right, and into the field, and the stadium's out there, and hopefully they're clapping for you. And so <laughs> I think they were. I'm not sure, but it was my senior run. Like, yeah, man, this is it. And I see Hoopy out there on the thirty yard line, and she's got her right knee is down on the side, and her left knee is up, and she's taking a picture. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is my mom doing out there at the 30-yard line as I just emerged from the cheerleaders? And I'm looking, and she's like, she's looking at me, she's waving and taking the pictures and waving. And when we finally got the pictures back, it was of my ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Because she didn't want to miss the moment with the camera. She wanted to see it. She brought the camera down. She's taking pictures. So, uh that was it. Thanks, Mom. I got some great ankle shots. Love you, Hoop. <laughs> yes, exactly. Love you, you know what? We got to get Hoopy on here for a segment is what we oh, got to yeah. do. Yeah. Get Mom on. Absolutely. Okay, so let's then move right into – Daria, are you ready? This is Steelers, Tampa Bay, Buccaneers time. This is one in four Steelers, unfamiliar territory. What do they have to do? 
to go ahead and get Tom Brady and the rest of the team and uh, start coming up and, and helping Kenny Pickett? Well, here's the whole thing, fellas. Uh, number one, I mean, no, your best defense is to keep the ball, hang on to the ball, and not let Tom Brady have the ball. <laughs> All right. That's just that's just number one. That means you've got to be able to roll the chains on third down. Possession downs are going to be huge. The Steelers have struggled with possession downs. And in the last game here against the Buff Bills, there was 18 third and fourth down possession downs. And they only out of those 18, only four were makeable four yards or less. I mean, you're in trouble. You got trouble. When you start having third and eight, third and 10, third and 13, third and 15, or fourth, you know, and in, in 10, st- stuff like that, you're in real trouble. And that's part of the problem is not being able to convert third downs and keep your defense on the sidelines and keep rolling. The second thing is the red zone. They've not been able to score at the rate that they've, they're accustomed to. They're down five points over last year, which was not one of the b- best offensive years last year. So the point uh, that I'm making in this is you want to be able to roll those chains on third down. You got to score. And then defensively, you know, there's nothing you're going to fool Tom Brady with. You're not, you're not going to fool him with, you know, coverages and stuff like that. Uh, This guy's seen everything, but what you can do is get a push, make him move when he can sit in the pocket and have too much time. He'll just kill you. I mean, think about this. His game against Atlanta, 352 yards. Do you realize that's Tom Brady's 40th 300-yard game since he turned 40? (laughs) I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. So it's going to be tough, and you've got to be able to go out there, get some pressure on him, get on the receivers. you got Mike Evans. He's good. You know, William Golston and all these guys. You're going to have all these – it's a good team. This is a good team they're going to be facing, and they've got to be up to the challenge. Now, there's no doubt in my mind the only way to affect um, Brady is to keep him moving around and keep pushing him because any loss he's ever had, it's the only way you defeat his team is by making him uncomfortable in the pocket and probably getting a piece of him, which now you're afraid to get a piece of him because you're not sure if you got to get a flag. Yeah, well, you know, that that in and of itself is something I hope the NFL seeks to rectify because one of the, cer- certainly one of the big things about it is you cannot have um, any sacred cows. And, you know, Tom can't get special treatment, even though he is a senior citizen at 45. <laughs> <laughs> a very a props to him, but you still can't be a sacred cow for sure. Holy boy, let's talk about those Seahawks coming in there, man. Now, I'm all for the Cardinals. Take it easy on my my guy Gino, though. Okay, I'm yeah. like, what he's doing. Uh, it's a great story uh, for for uh, being a, a fan of his and a friend. And uh, but what do the Cards have to do to beat the Seahawks? Yeah, first of all, they're going up to Seattle, of course, and they're talking about the game being kicked back an hour and a half longer because the Mariners in the ALDS um, might actually have a, a conflict, and they don't want that. So. Um, it, the, the Cardinals have got to run the ball against this team. I, I don't know how much you guys have seen of the Seattle Seahawks, but when you talk about the Seahawks defense, it is historically bad, guys. And I, I'm not even trying to pile on the Seahawks at all. I got great respect 
for Pete Carroll. I've got great respect for the coach that he is, the way that the Seattle Seahawks have played football for so many years up there has always been about the line of scrimmage so much of the time and running the ball and stopping the run. The problem is with the Seattle Seahawks right now, they can't stop anybody. Their defense is really, really bad. When I say really, really bad and historically bad, I'm talking about a team that is number 32 in yards per game allowed and number 32 in yards per play allowed. Okay, you put those two together right there, you're not stopping the pass. You're not stopping the run. They're number 31 in points allowed, giving up 30.8 points per game. Um they, they have the fewest three and outs in the game. They're just absolutely a mess, and you have to be able to run the ball. If you put the tape on and watch them, they have an incredibly hard time stopping the run. You have to be able to run the ball, especially up there in front of the 12s. you got to be able to do it. They don't tackle well at the front line level. They don't tackle well at the second level or the third level. They don't tackle well, period. And that's so strange to see that for a Pete Carroll defense. So the Cardinals have got to be able to run the ball. The problem is James Conner's questionable. He's beat up. Daryl Williams is out. He's a big back, a guy that can stoke it. Um, Eno Benjamin is going to get the start. Jonathan Ward is also out. They have three running backs that dressed and played last week who are out. They actually had four backs Eno Benjamin filled um, the final quarter, the actually quarter and a half, as a matter of fact. Um, he finished the game for them. But they've got to run the ball, and they're all beat up at the running back position. If they run the ball well, and they commit to running the ball well, especially in a north-south kind of way, and especially inside the red zone, if they're able to do it, they'll win this game. If they're not... Geno Smith is no joke offensively and what he's doing offensively for the Seattle Seahawks. The guy who has the highest passer rating, quarterback rating, in the National Football League is Geno Smith after 175 attempts. Geno Smith is playing better than Russell Wilson is playing in Denver. Geno Smith is playing better right now than... The last few years, Russ was in Seattle. Geno Smith is no joke, and that offense is lighting it up because of Geno. Yeah, that, that's very true, but I do think that that Seattle defense uh, is, is pretty bad. Uh, I, hate to, I hate to see it because when you beat the Lions 48-45, to 45, and, you know, it's just it, it's difficult. Uh, well, I wonder. Let me jump in on this because a couple of years ago it was interesting because Pete Carroll brought in – a professional rugger, you know, rugby guys, and we're teaching them how to tackle like the rugby guys do, rather than two colliding forces to come alongside and drag down tackles, that sort of thing, you know. Um, maybe that's not working in the NFL. <laughs> I was just going to say that's really interesting. Uh, I get it now. I get where you're coming from. That's pretty good there, Jerry. Hey, you know what? You you contributed to this show tonight, and don't let anybody tell you. <laughs> Thank you very much, my my baby brother. Can you feel that, buddy? And I got just uh, two more quick things. You can't handle the truth. I can't. I can't. Bony boy, it looks like there's a hard knocks coming out of the Arizona oh. Cardinals. And, and I just got to say this because 
a few years ago, I get this thing called Prime Video. I had no idea what Prime Video was. It was brand new to me and my family. Well, not my kids, of course. Obviously, they knew it, but to me, it was brand new. I turned on this show, and it's the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm watching it. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and Hoopy is actually down here visiting. And I'm like, well, this is great. This is car. And then there you are. You're like in every episode. And, and you didn't even tell us you're on this, this TV series. And you never said a word to anybody in your family. And I want to know, this is HBO Hard Knocks. Are you in this? No, I'm not in this. Um, first of all, <laughs> first of all, the, the um, series you're talking about was called All or Nothing. That's what it was called. And it was back when B.A., of course, was here in rolling. And it was about that year where it was pretty much all or nothing. They were all in. And that was the beginning of the end, honestly, for the Arizona Cardinals and Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians. And we all know what happened after that. But, um, you know, I, I the the hard knocks thing, I have a hard time with it. And the reason why I have a hard time with it is because I'm old. Okay, I think it's great for the organization. It gives the organization a lot of uh, juice, so to speak. I think it's great for some of the guys that might actually be in the locker room that enjoy this kind of thing, that want to increase their Twitter profile. I think it might be great for them. Um, It's great for the fans to actually get a behind-the-scenes look at this I, on the other hand, I I just despise the thought of guys walking around microphones that are hot and they know microphones that are hot and cameras that are going to be on them where some guys are actually going to clam up and not be who they are because of those microphones and because of those cameras. And then some guys, and we all know certain faces we see, of guys that, boy, I can't wait to get in front of that camera and then act like I don't know that I'm on camera and actually say stuff because I want to increase my Twitter profile or my PR, whatever it may be. And my agent is in my ear, man, this is a great opportunity for you to go out there and show that you're more than a football player, right? I mean, this is I, the sanctity of the locker room, boys. This is a thing that bothers me. It's the sanctity of the locker room, and yet I'm willing to admit it's great for the organization, and it is great for fans. Let me just jump in with this, because here's what bothers me, and I'm older than you, all right, and I'm old, all right? But when you walk into a room, and at a time when guys, their careers, their dreams, their hopes are being dashed because they're about to be cut, and then you're going to – Film that? I'm sorry, no. No. That is, Craig, that that is is the training camp version of that. And I'm with you on that 100%. What they're doing with the Cardinals, that's not it. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the hard knocks. To me, that that wouldn't fly. That just doesn't fly, man. That's just wrong. That is wrong. Excellent. You know what? I'll tell you, my brothers, I love you, man, but that was just a yes or no question. We can't just answer yes or no. Come on. Are you in it? Answer yes or no question. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, that's it for this week. Hey, best of wishes for you, you guys. You know, go get those Seahawks. Let Gino be, man. Let him have a good day, but win, okay? And obviously, 
get Tom Brady, man. I'll tell you what, somebody's got to take him down because it better be the Steelers. Really excited. The Mountaineers are, are going ahead and, and they're playing Baylor Bears. So let's hope and root for the Mountaineers taking down the Bears on, on Thursday night. Gentlemen, as always, it's been a pleasure. And this has been the fifth episode of Stupid Brother of the Week. <laughs> You got it. It's you. You be the man.